You're listening to She's Got Drive podcast, the podcast that inspires women to be the driver in their own life through the life and stories of black women with drive. And I'm your host, Shirley McAlpine. I'm a business consultant and executive coach and a leadership facilitator working with people and organizations to live their lives by design and not default. And I am back. Return of the Mac. Come on, return of the Mac. I'm back. Return of the back. Yahoo! I return of the Mac. Just had to sing it. Just had to sing. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. It's been a minute, as they say here, since I released an episode of She's Got Drive. It was September. I think it was the last time after that. I don't know if some of you may not know why there was such a big hiatus in the She's Got Drive podcast, but I was ill. It came kind of, I want to say suddenly in a way, um, but I, yeah, it was significant. I um, discovered I have an autoimmune disease called Graves and it just took me out, man. It literally, I was down for, in bed for like five weeks and have been doing the work to get myself healthy and well, and managing the disease and to get control of this chronic illness. I'm doing well and I'm still working on it. Obviously, I'm on medication, which is reducing and which is great. I'm on, I'm seeing a naturopath as well. I've dramatically changed how I eat. My approach to eating has dramatically changed in line with helping me around this condition. It seems to be working. And I have finally, in the last three weeks started to do some exercise again with yoga building myself up towards starting to run again my knees are shot I don't know what this this condition affects so much again and then obviously I'll get myself into the gym and start building strength again so I am working my way back and when I feel confident to take on the next (laughs) the next goal I I move forward you know I want to say thank you to everyone who has supported me during this time and continues to support me. Thank you to everyone who has reached out to say, are you going to be doing She's Got Drive anymore? Mm, I miss She's Got Drive. I really appreciate you for still being listeners. You know, I continue to have downloads, even though I wasn't posting quite a significant amount of downloads in this time. So I appreciate everyone who listens to the podcast, who supports the podcast, who supports me. And it's been a very difficult time it has been a lot I will not pretend and um, but in that time I've learned a lot about myself and so I thought that this episode as a return episode would be about me sharing the lessons that I've learned about myself as a result and some of the things that I'm doing differently and really my intention with sharing is to see if you are in a similar situation or you know, you might hear something in what I'm sharing about my lessons so you can have an insight for yourself and ask those questions of yourself. And in the asking of those questions, you might discover that there might be some changes that you would like to make. So that's why I'm sharing this. Also, it's kind of gets me back in. I miss doing the podcast. I have, as I said, I kind of gradually bringing things back online with the various commitments that I have, you know, as a, as a sign of some grat- as gratitude for my life, <laughs> in truth, you know, it makes me, you know, when I say that, you know, I'll explain more about that in a minute. But as uh, I wanted to, to what I'm doing in 
for a period in she's got drive from giving away um, some of my gratitude journals, you know, so I'm doing a giveaway every episode, certainly over the next month, let's see, maybe more. And my gratitude journal is is a journal that I have on Amazon that I sell. It's 30 days of gratitude, making every day count. And it's a way of getting yourself, getting yourself into a practice of daily gratitude. And I have had some lovely feedback from some people who have bought the journal or were gifted the journal as well you know and one woman big shout out to to her I'm going to share this and you'll know who you are has said through doing the gratitude journal she got in touch with a dream she had to start her own business which she'd been holding for a number of years and actually it the practice is what got her into action on starting her business so that's a huge huge win for her and an unpredictable win when she started another is just like it's allowing her to stay grounded in this time of during covid because we don't have our normal anchors and even though we have we've gotten into our groove it's been a year it's still a year that is very challenging and very taxing and so it's allowing her to stay grounded and for her to set her intentions because it's not only a gratitude practice, but it's also an opportunity to set your intention for the day. If you want to enter the giveaway to receive one of my gratitude journals, then head to the link in the show notes and it's, it's the gratitude giveaway and then click the link and then it'll ask you to enter your email details to get into the giveaway and sign up to win one of my gratitude journals the other way is if you go from my instagram and you link on linktree there'll be a a click for the instagram uh on instagram for the gratitude giveaway then we can all be working on our days of gratitude making every day count so thank you for being with me as i journey through this time for those of you who reached out and this is my way of saying thank you so my lessons so first i'm going to start with the lessons that i've learned as a result of my illness so as I said I was I was in bed for five at least five weeks you know I kind of lost count I didn't really haven't really tracked but it was my health was deteriorating from about August and in the end you know I literally I lost like 20 pounds in like a matter of weeks I got to a point where I could barely walk I mean, I really needed my husband's support to even like get around the places. I couldn't stand without being breathless. I mean, if you saw me like walking, I looked like I was like walking like a, I was 95 years old. I mean, it was really slow, very deliberate and very challenging to move. And the only places I'd go is obviously to get up to go to the doctor and had very little energy. And then I'd just kind of be lying in bed, you know. And I had pains all over my body in really aches in my joints. So for a period of time, I absolutely didn't even know what was happening. And I knew, but I did know I could feel the difference in terms of things that I consumed and the difference that that made, like in my body. So I thought I need to move to doing things that were anti-inflammatory in terms of my eating. And I just Googled that before I even got to see a naturopath. I didn't, I just kind of figured out, like, moved to kind of a fruit, veg type diet, smoothies, soups, just make it easy to consume. So I kind of did that. But it was a very dark time at times for me and the family and just obviously the kids just seeing their mum just like go from someone who was 
running three times a week in the gym four times a week lifting weights building i think i was at my peak health you know in terms of fitness and at that point and to go from that to where i was was very very dramatic there were many lessons that I, you know one of the things about when you're when you stop at that time i've never had a time where i was in bed for that period of time or that period of stillness if you like although a lot of the initial time is you consumed by pain and stuff like that but it's been a long time like I suppose the last time was when I had my son and he's 13 now and the rest of the time has just been on the go all the time so it gives you time to reflect of course lots of time to reflect on yourself and your life and and also the the nature of the illness had me just look at what I was doing and what I valued and what was important to me um one of the lessons that I learned was (laughs) that my tolerance for something being wrong with me or something being wrong with my body is too high. So let me say that again. My tolerance for something being wrong with my body or me was too high. I waited too long before I went to the doctor and I tried to figure it out myself, you know, was it because I went to the gym, I got the aches and pains? Was it because of this, I have, I'm out of breath because I have asthma? Was it because of the asthma? Was it because of this? Well, I mean, like it, it went on for, a f- I want to say a, f- a few weeks of me just kind of trying to second guess what was going on instead of just going to the doctor. And I had my left leg was swelling as well. And it was really at a point where I was doing an online yoga class with my friend Dorita. Shout out to Dorita. And um, I shared with her, I said, why, why my left leg has really been swelling and I don't understand. And then like, and she's like, uh, I think you need to go. I think you need to go to the doctor if you've got one leg swelling. Yeah, that doesn't like, I know you've got the support socks on and everything, but that, hello. And so I really got that if I had acted quicker, then it would, it may not, I would have understood what was going on earlier and we would have intervened earlier and it wouldn't have just gone down the road that he went down as far as you know when you know better you do better so this isn't kind of making myself wrong for that but it does tell me that I can wait and I'm saying this because what I know is black people in research and black women wait too long to go to the doctor And I didn't think that I was one of those people when I heard those pieces of research. (laughs) I was like, oh, wait, I know that it happens. The thing that can happen. And if it's something that needs early intervention, they just it just makes it go on. You get worse before and then it makes it harder to come back. So I didn't think that I was one of those people, but I am one of those people. My tolerance for something being wrong with my body is too high. I need to act much faster so I say it like that so I hope that if you if you are one of those people if you have something going on with you and you have not taken yourself to the doctor then please take some action the lesson number two is stress really is my enemy and really it's the way I was living my life stress really is my enemy and we had because if you think about the pandemic is stressful all the things that that means the children at home e-learning work the changes in work moving things online 
thank God I was still, I'm still able to work and I'm still do my business is still doing well. But there was a massive piece of pivoting that needed to happen. It was like a lot of stress, but I have a higher tolerance for stress as well is the other thing that I saw, the way that I had been living my life. And I learned to pay attention to the signs in my body that tell me that I'm stressed because my body does speak to me. I'm saying it like this deliberately because your body is sending you messages all the time. And I think what I have been doing over the years, and I'm not, I think, I know, I have over, I just override the message because I've got to get to that thing. I've got to do that stuff. I've got to fulfill this. I've got to, I promised that I would deliver X, Y, and Z. And I just keep kept going and you just keep going. But actually, how I know I'm really under stress is like my body just tenses up. I have real aches in my body. I'm really present to that now. And I know when I've done too much, I know I can feel it. And if it gets to that point, I'm like, oh, you need to rein it in. So I have that less, if you like, um, because I'm testing out. I'm really res- and trying to respond. I didn't relate to stress as an enemy. I related to stress as just like what happens in life. It's just what happens. You get stressed. But why? Why do we relate to stress as, well, it's just what happens. It's just part and parcel of living. No, it really doesn't have to be. It really doesn't have to be. Or at least can we proactively address the stress that's in our lives and when I think about how I've tackled things around self-care and so on before I'm not sure if I really looked at how do I take the stress out of my life I don't think I really looked at that I and so I really have been looking at how do I do that first and foremost is to listen to my body listen to the signs and then respond and make the necessary changes okay the third lesson is um the food that I put in my body directly relates to my well-being now I know you're gonna go Shirley that's not even news love (laughs) um we that's the thing we talk about all the time I know However, I have been someone who's been, you know, historically, you know, until about two years ago, I was vegan. I was vegan for six years. In the last two years, I started to eat meat and fish again. I, but I'm still, I'm a conscious eater, I would say. But I also know there were things that I would eat that I know is not kind of good for me. doesn't serve my body well. But I would be like, yeah, but I want it. I want it though. (laughs) So there you go. This period of time has really taught me the impact because my body one of the things about the when I had a high so the greatest disease is hyperthyroidism so it's a overactive thyroid and it means that everything you feel everything almost immediately so if I ate something that um didn't agree with me that was um I would feel it almost immediately in my body like it's it's like I mean my doctor said to me like what hypothyroidism does it's can consider you're running a marathon like 24 7 it's just like it's just like you are going 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 and your body is like 
struggling to keep up. I could see the things that, that served me and I could feel the things in my body that was just like, oh no, that's off. Now, we, we wouldn't have the signs of that as immediate before, but I certainly had signs of things that weren't helping me. I had been given advice from a previous like naturopath to stop eating gluten at least two years ago. And I was like, I'm going to do it a kind of, I'm going to reduce the amount of gluten that I'm consuming versus taking it all out of my, um, and now I'm just not, it's, I'm not negotiating on that. It's, I'm just not negotiating on that because I do not want to get back to where I was lying in bed for five weeks. That's just not good. That's just not what I'm working on. <laughs> So the exchange, if it means that I can't have the following things, then I can't have the following things. So the thing that I realized, the other lesson about that, that I realized since then, though, is it's not that I miss the food. And I'll kind of explain in terms of what I'm doing differently um, in later. But it's not that I miss the food that I ate before. It's I miss the communal experience that that food gave me with my family because now what I'm eating ain't nobody in my family want to eat that for the most part you know they're not gonna there's some things but there's some things like yeah I don't want to eat that they're not gonna want to eat that it's not as exciting and so on so when we used to you know we'd pop out there's this amazing donut place in uh off Armitage in Chicago I can't remember the name of the donut place now and they do these beautiful donuts and so you just like you you bring a box of those we have some tea together you know so I'm not I'm no longer participating as a part of the family in something like that and I miss that I miss that you know so it's it's those types of things where we go out and eat and it's just like a big well we don't go out and eat I mean I'm saying when we bring food in and that kind of communal where you know eat off each other's plate type thing that's just not going to happen it's just not happening. And so that's what I miss. I don't actually miss the food. I don't have the cravings for those foods. I have the cravings for the experience that that had, that gave me in the family. And, um, and so it takes an effort to, to bring that back. And my fourth lesson is there is nothing more precious than my life. And you may say, isn't that lesson number one, Shirley? I mean, it, in some respects, it's lesson number one, but I kind of did it in the order of emergence, if you like, of the lesson. But there is nothing more precious to me than my life. In my darkest moments, when I didn't know what was happening, and I thought carefully about what I wanted, how I was spending my time, and what was important to me. You know, I really was like, what is this? And I reflected back on like how I'd spent my time the months previously, how I'd, how much time I was spending with the kids, how much time I was spending with Dan. I mean, I know we spent a lot of time obviously in the, with the pandemic, but I was thinking before the pandemic, how much traveling I was doing, where I put my focus, where I put my energy, um, what was I paying attention to how did I structure my life like all of those things and and then it has you think about like what is it that you want your life to be about what do you want your how do you want to design your life like my life is I am living 
the life that I have designed. And but now I'm going to I'm redesigning the life that I want to live now. And um, and so that's that's a huge shift for me. My lesson number five is the pressure, quote unquote, the pressure to perform all the time is never ending. The pressure to perform all the time is never ending. And I have to learn how to live my life differently. Like I now I say the pressure, of course, you know, I set goals for my for my um, business and their ambitious goals. Right. But that's one of the pressures, you know, so I put ambitious goals, but I have a minimum amount that I absolutely have to bring in, you know, to meet our commitments, our financial commitments and everything. But I have ambitious goals around the business, but also I have ambitious goals around being a mom and um, ambitious goals around like who I am in the world. And so, but I, with that creates a pressure um, to, to kind of perform and be on and produce results. And, and I say that, you know, when I reflect back as a mother, for example, the many times when I'd be, you know, about to fly out to New York to go to work, but the night before I decide that I'm going to bake the muffins so that the kids have got real muffins to take to school, real, you know, like instead of buying them muffins to take to school. I mean, it's so classic kind of ambitious mum overdoing it. But that's like doing things to kind of prove or uh, like deal with the guilt or feelings of having to have leaving your children. And that, but the, the standards that I have for myself are so high that it creates a pressure. And then there's the external pressure that you have as a black woman in business or a black woman in, or in the workspace or a black woman walking in the world <laughs> as well. And, you know, there's so many different things that, but it, it, I have to look at that and then say, no, can I alleviate first at least the pressure I put on myself? That's within my con complete control. And then can I look at where's the other places of pressure coming from and how do I alleviate them? But what it taught me is that I absolutely need to address that. It's not, I'm not, I can't ignore it. That relates to the stress that's in my life and it has to um, be dealt with or it has to go. Lesson number six is I don't automatically reach for support. And combined with that, Others can believe that I'm so capable, I'm so able, I'm so, I'm so have it together that I don't actually need support. You know, so not only do I not reach out readily, I also, who or how I present in the world is someone who's capable and therefore I don't need support. And it's not true. It's absolutely not true. In, in the times when I was so ill, like, I, you know, the support from my husband was amazing and um, my daughters and my kids who were, you know, trying to figure out alongside me and, you know, speaking to my, my family back in the UK as well. But I didn't even think of the people because you're so in it to go, well, you know, like, why don't you ask this person for that and that person that and that until after a while when I wasn't when I felt like I was out of the woods in a way out of the critical part that I my I, my, my brain 
my rational side of my brain can get engaged again. And I was like, oh, wait, let me see if so-and-so can help me. So I saw who the people were who could see that I needed support and could provide that for me. And, and the ones who didn't. And, and that really matters. It really mattered to see that. It really mattered to see how I, what I put out in the world and that, that, and so I say that because there might be people in your life who you think that woman has so got it together. She's so like on it, but do not be fooled by that and think that she doesn't need support because it's not true. Because when you wear the badge of competence and capability, and this could be you actually, I mean, you might be looking at someone else, but I am also speaking to you. If this is you, if, you know, if you, if this jacket fits you, please wear it. (laughs) So, um, when you wear like the badge of competence and capability and strength and resilience, it can really hide the vulnerable, the scared, the, the uncertain part of you that needs to lean into, uh, lean on others and surround like myself. Let me speak to myself for myself with people that I can lean on and that I can ask for help. You know, it's a really, requires me to show people that I haven't always got it together. I'm not like this machine and, um, and my capability doesn't mean that I, I don't, I'm I'm not vulnerable. (laughs) And, and so I invite, if you're someone who is like that to find ways to share with the people in your lives that you, if you need support, that you ask for some support, or if you have people in your lives who are like that, reach out to them and check in on them. Yeah, that's what I would say. So then another lesson, what lesson was it? That was six, right? So lesson number seven, it seems like an obvious lesson after all of that, but I have to design my life differently if I want a better life, if I want to be in better health. I have to design my life differently if I want to be in better health and if I want a better life. So I am now actively recreating the life that I'm living, the future I want, the health I want. I want to say that last year, uh, no, that wasn't last year. The year before, what year was that? 2019, when I was diagnosed with osteoporosis. I mean, that hit me too. I was like, how could I be have osteoporosis? And at that time, I was 51 years old. I was like, what the? Wait, that happens to older people. But the thing about that is I got to work on my strength. You know, I looked at what you needed to do. I need to build my strength. So I started going to the gym and I added that as a thing that I needed to do. And I started to enjoy it, which was great. I had two, a great team who were working with me, but I added it onto all the other things that I had on my plate. I didn't, I didn't take anything else off my plate. I didn't create the space. I just thought, well, I need to put that early on in the morning. So I just get up earlier. I didn't, look at anything else in my life that may have been because stress also impacts our our bone mass you know so and the reason is because whilst I had the initial period of shock of having osteoporosis once I got past the shock and got into action I'm like okay cool this is what I'm working on the difference with this one I was it was I was down and out I was lying in bed I was like it totally wiped me out and it made me confront how quickly our health and well-being and our uh, ability to do the things that we 
can and do in the world can be taken from us. And so it had a totally different impact on me. And so it has led me to really a, a commit to doing things differently. And, and as a result, I am. And I, and I will start to share with you some of the things that I am doing differently. And before I say what those are, this big sigh, that was a big sigh and a pause. The last lesson before I share what I'm doing differently is I don't have to be the superwoman business owner, the superwoman uh, mother, the super wife, the super like baker extraordinaire, the extreme exercise and fitness, the traveler, the you name it. You know, I don't have to like go 110% on everything. <laughs> I just don't. I have created this standard that is literally like taking me out how many of us have created this standard that's taken us out not without even factoring all those other systemic issues that plague us and and prey on us you know like racism like misogyny for example to name one or two like just social injustice you know what that means for me what that means for my kids you know so all of that is a lot and and if we add on all these high standards for ourselves like what is the impact that that has on us so I don't have to be all of those things and it doesn't mean I curb my ambition but it does mean that I live my life in a different way and so let me just share with you some of the things that I'm doing differently and hopefully that will inspire you to do some things differently too okay so what I'm doing differently I'm learning how to say no how to say not now how to say I'm not available rather than yes and trying to like twist myself inside out to deliver on something I used to just be a be yes and be open and yeah of course and what I just really look at my life and go no I can't do that oh no I won't be able to do it by that time if it can't, if they, someone needs something by a certain day that I can't deliver, then I'm not the one. I'm not the one to deliver it. And, and what I've discovered is like people will wait. If they want you to be the person who does it with them, they will wait. <laughs> and I never really knew that or acted like that. So I, that I'm learning how to say no. I pause before I commit um, my yes. So I pause before I commit my yes. And then sometimes I'm like, no, nah, that's not me. Mm, I'm, not, that's, I'm not doing that. And I am good with it is the other thing. I say I can say no and I'm good with the no. The second thing I'm doing differently, I am proactively managing the impact that the world has on me. Like managing the stresses. When we have yet another racist incident, happen in the world large scale I mean it's happening every single day racism is happening every single day to the people around me and and us and to me and so um but when there's some big event that's happening I manage my input I manage how much I take in of that so I turn off um being on Facebook or 
or, or any kinds of social media or the news, I limit it. I go to bed early. I make sure that I get enough sleep or I work on actively improving my sleep. It's difficult as it comes. Like the sleep issue is part of my illness as well. Like not being able to sleep is part of my illness, but I am um, doing really much better than I've um, been doing before around managing my sleep. And, you know, that's another thing I'm doing differently on top of like managing the inputs from um, the world. Because let me come back to the, let me come back to the, where every time I read someone's comment or another part of the news or another aspect of the story, it's just re-traumatizing. It re-triggers the racial trauma that we have in our own bodies. It's so important to manage myself manage the input that I have I know that sometimes I can get over consumed and it's just so depressing and upsetting um, because it just feels like we're never gonna get there we're just never gonna get there so when I feel like it's too much I'm like I have to just turn it off and turn and turn it down and to help me manage my stress and then the other is to focus on my sleep making sure I'm getting enough sleep making sure that I'm getting good quality sleep and so I have been really committedly doing the work around that so to help me with that I'm gonna do this is not I'm not I'm not an affiliate or anything but I might as well be come one because and what I'm about to share with you because I have been sharing with so many people about this I started to use um, my good friend Lisa bought me as a gift for Christmas brown girl Jane's rest CBD oil which is uh which you take before you go to go to sleep and it is of the chain it has made a huge difference to me in the quality of my rest that I just couldn't even believe it I was like what wait hold up so <laughs> really seriously it was amazing so that has had an impact on my sleep but I'm focused on getting better quality sleep okay the other thing is my rest time in the evening starts much earlier. I enter into my room earlier. I light candles. I put my humidifier on. I create calming spaces. I'm using more music as well. I'm doing things like that, which is I'm proactively thinking about what are the things that create calm for me. I'm doing much more reading or listening to audiobooks. And um, what are the things that create calm for me? And let me take it down a notch. And so I'm being much more proactive about that than kind of just headed to sleep, coming off my social media as much as possible earlier. Just really just focusing in. I've done these things before and then I've lost those habits, you know. So I'm recreating those habits and that's become a core of things of what I do. Um, I have a notebook by my bedside You can to capture my thoughts that that start to run wild <laughs> and it, and so I don't have to like spend so much time focusing and trying to remembering stuff so I create a calm space in my rest time and I'm actively creating calm space during my work day so I have my humidifier on during my work day I have um gentle music on oftentimes I or I like incense you know I have all of those things um around my but I got out of the practice of using them and I'm seeing how those things are helping me as well during my day as well as in my rest one key thing that I'm doing differently is I got a therapist yes I did I got a therapist versus a coach 
you know, I usually lean into finding myself a coach. You know, I am a coach myself. So that's what I do. I go, let's go find myself a coach if I want to do blah, blah, blah. But actually, I I got decided to get a therapist because I knew there were past space patterns that I have that has led me to be so to set my life up in the way that I do and to have stress be an everyday, like a stress junkie, if you like. It's kind of like recognizing that I, my name is Shirley and I'm a workaholic. You know, I, I work a lot. I have been, I have been working a lot historically. And so I wanted to have someone who could be held me accountable for putting myself and my health first, who could help me create new ways of caring for me and um, challenge my patterns, challenge the patterns and behavior. So I know that whenever we want to create a new behavior, you have to create a structure for success. You have to create a structure to help you achieve the goals that you want. And one of the pieces that is there for me is, um, is having a therapist and I found a wonderful woman who's my therapist and I appreciate her and the work that we're doing together. The other thing that I'm doing differently is I've reconfigured my work week. I am lucky enough, of course, that I, I have, I run my own business. I work for myself. So I decided that I would move towards a four day week and not move towards, I'm doing a four day week. And this is why I actually reflected back to when I decided to leave my job and become an independent um, and self-employed 22, 23 years ago. And, and one of the things I remember, this came to me whilst I was lying in bed, you know, recovering. One of the things I remember from 22, 23 years ago, I was like, I don't understand how everyone's working these five day weeks, you know, like, why do we have to work a five day week, five day week? What if I could create my work life where I worked a four day week and um, still earn more than enough money that I needed to earn and then worked with people that I wanted to work with and all of that. So that was my, one of my goals for leaving my, the work that I was doing and the job that I had and then, and then, then create working for myself. I remember that I was like, I was like, oh yeah, like that was something I did 23 years ago. And so now it's just like, no, that's what I'm doing now. Um, I cannot deny that it is challenging to work a four day week because you have to get your, the work that you need to accomplish done in those four days. So I'm not saying this is an easy goal that I've set for myself. And do I always achieve it? I'm going to be absolutely honest to you and say no, because there are times when I have to pick up and do one or two things either at the weekends or I have to do one or two, one thing, two things on the Friday. But there are certainly days where that isn't the case. And um, it's the days where I could do my acupuncture, I could speak to my therapist, I can catch up with a friend and just chill. And, but mentally as well, the difference that it has made to me in only working four days is huge. And as the time has panned out since starting this, how I'm planning my work has shifted in a way so that it allows me to plan for it more effectively than it did in the beginning. So I am adjusting in terms of how I'm doing the work. It has made a huge difference to me in terms of that. Just a couple more things to say on um, what I'm doing differently. 
I actually have breakfast, lunch and dinner. I actually stop to eat. I had got into the habit where I didn't really have lunch. You know, I would kind of just like grab something, get back to my desk. I wasn't really fully paying attention to what I was putting in my body during the day. And now I'm on, I'm doing the genotype diet predominantly. I have a very strict kind of outline of what food that I can have, food that I can't have. I take time in my day to prepare my foods and to eat and to stop and pause. I am, yeah, so much more conscious about that. So it's like amazing. That's amazing for me. So if you are someone who actually does not stop in your day to, to feed your body and feed your body well and healthy, then that might be something that you might want to do. I think that the other thing, I have reintroduced the things that bring me joy. I remember doing an episode a few, maybe it was a couple of years ago on what brings me joy. And there are clear things that bring me joy that I've lost, I'd lost sight of that I've doing just daily, the music, dancing, um, watching a movie, um, knitting, you know, those things like I doing it more as a daily practice than, and I recently joined the rest of the world and got a, a puppy my pandemic puppy as well and who brings me joy she's a wonderful little have a poo called um zora that's come out of this you know that's like i would never have considered myself to be the woman who would get herself a puppy <laughs> it means i get out every day um go for walks and you know she's quite young those, those will that will extend but she's just a lovely joyful energy and and that's wonderful. I want to say a couple of things as I move towards ending the this episode and this this. I really got that I have a responsibility to teach my children a better way to be. To be calmer, to be lighter, to be less frantic, to to really how to make choices for the good of your health and well-being and to as well as you know to stay true to your purpose at the same time these changes are not just for me it's for to like what am I modeling to my children as I was preparing for this um, episode I asked my daughter what she had noticed about me since since my illness these are some of the things she said. She said, I think you've slowed down on your work. I think you go to bed early. You're not working the entire time. You're not as fast paced as before. Your lifestyle is calmer. It really helps you even if you like your daily life was extremely busy. You used to carry your laptop everywhere you go. You were you were constantly doing your business you always cook dinner and um, so dad's doing much more. And, and so I, I, one of the things for me was it was important that she had noticed that. I was struck by how much she had noticed about the changes that I had made. I think one of the key things, and I think in terms of redefining how I'm living my life is I dis discover the difference between drive and push. And so I can still have drive without push energy. So the drive to like, I, you know, like you can drive to a particular destination, but you can either go really super fast and put your foot down on the gas or on the accelerator if you're in the UK, or you can take a more leisurely 
drive or you can do a medium drive or you can have uh, follow the a more picturesque route or you could just head down the motorway like there are many ways that you can drive and I'm committed to still having drive of course for the things that I want but without the push energy and how I set up my day and how I live my life and what I'm committed to and what I'm modeling and that has been key for me in the difference that I'm having in my life right now and just really feeling so much more balanced than I felt for a very long time so the road is long I'm not there yet by any stretch of the imagination but I am working on transforming how I'm living my life I'll keep you posted on how I'm going but I hope that these lessons and what I'm doing differently has given you some food for thought and with that I'm going to bring this episode to a close So thank you so much for listening. If you are loving She's Got Drive, please rate and review the show. That would be great. Don't forget to um, click the link to enter the giveaway for my gratitude journal, 30 Days of Gratitude, Making Every Day Count. And um, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that through Instagram or head on to my... um, website and go to the contact page and um, email me there she's got drive is produced by cassandra voltolina the music is by the awesome or female band don the song is called circles thank you so much for listening again until next time go well and stay well